and welcome to Wild Women, the Wild Swimming Podcast. I'm Laura MacDonald. I hope that you are all well and enjoying the current icy blast that seems to have arrived since we last spoke. It's been below freezing here for just over a week and it was down to minus 10 at one point and yet I have not seen one flake of snow. I feel so cheated. Although I'm not complaining too much, as we have been able to get out and about more or less comfortably in my silly little town car that was not built for such weather. Even the thought of snow puts that poor wee beastie into orbit. Today's issue is that after being ignored in favour of more exotic swim spots, the water in my dipping barrel had frozen so very thickly that I had to chuck a couple of buckets of warm water into it to get it thin enough to hammer through. Of course, that was just a few hours ago, and I am already having to break the ice again so that I can actually get in for a dip. I do this a lot, but the temperature has dropped so far in the last week that I'm honestly a bit nervous about trying to get in. Okay, I'm back. As it turns out, I had not hammered out enough of the ice to actually get into my barrel. The Insta-husband was taking videos, so it might be worth checking at Wild Women Pod on the socials to see just how daft I look perched on my tiny wee ice shelf. Today on Wild Women, I am talking to writer and dipper Josie Lloyd. She tells me all about her love of sea swimming in Brighton and she shares the inspiration behind her 20th novel, Life Saving for Beginners. We chat all things changed perspectives, community and the guaranteed friendships that await you in the water. At Wild Women, we tend to divvy up my guests into uh, whether they are dippers, swimblers who might, you know, do a few lengths, but not a long swim. The serious swimmers who might, you know, do training or events or care about metrics. And then the athletes, because I've had a few kind of cross-channel swimmers and things like that on the podcast before as well. Well, I'm right down the bottom of that scale. (laughs) I don't I mean it's not a top to bottom it's a horizontal scale we can be happy on the same line well I'm sort of similar because I've always I've always swum on Christmas day you know I was one of the nutters that used to go in on Christmas day and you go in sort of once a year and I always swam in the I always swam in the summer and then I just didn't stop and then lockdown happened and then it just became a complete lifeline because because there was nothing else we could do and of course we live in I live in Brighton so I'm five minutes walk from the sea and in the middle of lockdown, my best friend split off with her husband and moved to Brighton down the road from me. And I couldn't really see her because, you know, we weren't allowed in each other's houses. And and so going to the beach and swimming was this kind of thing. And also, we I just met this incredible group of people with her. So we had this kind of new social life together, which was really lovely and met these this lovely gang of people. And um, I was halfway through writing a book about death. I was writing a book about how we never talk about death <laughs> and then covid struck and i said to my agent oh this is a bit this is a bit tricksy now because all we are talking about is death you know and there's pebbles on the grass in brighton with all the deaths going up and it's really terrible and i can't really write a contemporary fiction book about death and i don't know what's going to happen so i abandoned ship on the book and carried on writing um writing my what I know which is sea swimming and actually the more I got into writing it the more I kind of found this community a fictional community of women that I started writing I just I absolutely loved it but I I found my swimming swim 
a lifeline. And I didn't go every day because it's not possible where we live to go in every day because of the weather and the tides, particularly in the in the winter. And, you know, if it's too rough, you can't go in. And we do go in and pilchard, but I go about two, three times a week, which is great. Okay. And I, and I continue going through that. So fantastic. Uh, I've got a couple of questions. Uh, one of it, the first one, because this does not resonate with us uh, uh, or with me up here at all. What is pilcharding? Oh, pilcharding <laughs> is when, when you lie on the pebbles in where the tide comes in. So you get wet in the water. So you lie down like a seal, just as where the whales, waves are breaking. So you get wet, but it's too rough to go in. So then you get dragged down the pebbles and, and your costume fills up with pebbles and they go in places that really shouldn't they shouldn't ever go <laughs> but it's really fun it's a way of getting wet without actually getting in the water okay so you're Fair lying basically. you're lying in about an inch of water and you're, uh -huh. and the waves are breaking over you it's hilariously good fun i mean honestly <laughs> you've never seen more middle-aged women squealing like little children in your life so that's oh. what we do Okay, now you're selling it to me because <laughs> it's hilariously fun. And actually, quite often you get down the beach and you just go, "Oh, actually, it's too dangerous to go in because the the breakers are too too rough, or there's a kind of shelf on the beach, and and it's going to be too difficult to get out." It's not too. It's often not too hard getting in, but it's the getting out is the problem. Yeah. So when it's like that, and you know, you have to be really careful to make sure that you are confident going in. I went on. I went on Saturday. And I was quite tired. I was a little bit hungover, to be honest. But I kind of, I got there and it was quite, really quite tumbly waves. And a couple of our group got tumbled going in. And I looked at it and I thought, I just really don't fancy it. And so I did some pilcharding with a friend of mine who was there. And it was, I mean, we had an absolute ball. It was a total hoot. And I had all the benefit of going in the sea, but didn't actually get tumbled. So that was nice. That does sound like a nice halfway house. You kind of sit down and let the waves come to you. Yeah. Nice. Scary, but that's it. That's the thing about cold water, isn't it? You know, when you're cold water swimming, is that even when, especially in the winter, you get up and you get, especially if I, I tend to go at about 8 15 in the morning or I go at 10 o'clock or so on a Saturday. But when I get up, I'm like, ah, there's no way I'm going to do it just because it's cold and it's drizzly and there's just absolutely no way I'm going outside. And in Emily, my husband, rolls over and goes, You're kidding me. You are not going. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I am. Because I get all my togs on. And even when I've got down to the beach, with the hot water bottle and with my thermos flask and everybody else has, has joined us on the beach, I still don't really think that I'm going to go in because there's something there's something kind of hysterically frightening about cold water and it kind of, ah, I can't go in cold water. And then, of course, as soon as you do, that first moment that you step into cold water, everything is completely, everything that's been going on in the day, it's completely wiped out. You are just there in that moment. And it's just the most amazing it's the main, most amazing reset. And I've never, ever regretted going for a swim once. I mean, I say swim. I mean, to be fair, it's bobbing and splashing. It's not, <laughs> it's not really swimming. I love, I mean, I like swimming lengths in a pool, but I haven't, I wouldn't call it swimming, swimming what I do. But I have to say, you know, a friend of mine asked me to do, there's, we've got a big wind farm off the coast of Brighton down here. And um, it's a couple of miles out. And so she wanted, for her birthday, she's 70, and she was doing a relay swim to come inland from the wind farm and did we all want to be a relay swimmer and I've been out there on a boat before and actually I find the deep water really scary mm -hmm. I I'm not a, I'm not a great fan of swimming in open water I like being able to see the sea I like, like being able to see the beach and my dog I've got a lovely uh, Springer Collie Cross mongrel fabulous dog called Ziggy and he comes and patrols 
patrols the beach. He never comes in the water, but he kind of patrols the beach and looks after the towels and makes sure everybody's okay. And I like to be in sight of him. I don't like getting out into the into the water, deep water, too much. Mm-hmm. Not a fan. I once went. So I once did my paddy diving course in Australia when I was about mm, twenty. I went travelling, and um, we did a night dive because you had to do a night dive to qualify as a paddy scuba diver. And we were off the coast of the Great Barrier Reef and I was with my boyfriend and we had to dive into dark water right in the middle of nowhere off this boat. And there was quite a swell. And I got down in this water and all I could think of was that (laughs) my heartbeat must be being picked up by sharks because I was so terrified. And I can remember screaming down the regulator because I was really, really frightened. And I lost Rick, my partner, and he was above me. And I couldn't see him and it was black, black water and I had a torch on my head. And I was just thinking that, and I've always been slightly frightened of water since then. Dark, cold water. I'm not, a, you know, so I, you know, I'm a fair, I'm a, you know, like to be able to see this, the horizon and the beach and know that I can get back there. Because also the other thing is that where we swim in Brighton, the tides can be, and the currents can be quite deceptive and you can swim out to the boys and suddenly you're in a the water is a completely different direction and you can be swept out quite quickly so you can be quite careful well that all sounds very sensible then just yeah. stay stay yeah. at the beach go go for a wee donner up yeah <laughs> fantastic so um that you know, obviously is your kind of your enjoyment of swimming i take it that's been a has that been a lifelong thing you've been growing up by the sea or have you always swum outdoors or did you uh I think we uh, when we, I grew up in Chelmsford in Essex and there was a there wasn't very much to do but there was an out there was a swimming pool and it had an outdoor swimming pool like a real 1960s kind of classic concrete outdoor swimming pool but it was quite big and it was open all year round and in the in the winter they would kind of keep a, a couple of lanes um, open it. And when we were small children, we would dare each other to go in the outdoor pool because it was just a thing that you could do. And I can remember very clearly, we all the way through the winter, we would swim in this outdoor pool and nobody else used to go in it. And it was it was absolutely freezing. And um, but I remember it being quite a fun thing to do. And we so we used to swim and we used to swim as families. My parents, you know, had a whole load of mates with kids our age. And we would all go to the swimming pool um, on, a, on a Saturday at about five o'clock. And we would swim for an hour and then we'd go back to somebody's house for fish and chips in the oh. evening. So I had this kind of whole thing around swimming that it was kind of a lovely thing. It was a family thing, a community thing. And I swam every week with my family. So I grew up swimming and then my sister is a keen swimmer. She swims over in Kent um, where she lives, but we've always gone in the sea together. And of course we, we used to go camping in Wales for our summer holidays down in South Wales. And so we used to go in the Gower at all, in all weathers. Um, so we would always be in this. I've never been kind of a feared of jumping in the water. And, and I've always thought of it as a really sort of jolly thing to do. Um, and then when, when the, we left London, when, um, in about 2007 I really really wanted to live by the sea and it's just been the most beautiful thing to bring the kids up by the sea but also to have this resource at the end of my road but I to be honest I never really appreciated it until lockdown when I really kind of got into swimming in all weathers and I just found it 
fabulous and this huge community of people has grown up and has kind of has um understood the kind of power of the sea and the power of swimming and it's just been wonderful I think also I think the sea has had a really profound effect on me because of the menopause I'm 53 now but about five years ago I got breast cancer and um it was picked up really by chance, thank goodness. And I landed up having a mastectomy and radiotherapy and chemotherapy, and it was fairly grim. And then I became, you know, I got I got better. And actually one of the things that kind of really, I really wanted to do was to kind of take to the water. It was a really, it was a really strong urge that I felt that part of my recuperation would be getting in cold water. And then of course I had to take hormone therapy drugs because I had cancer I had um estrogen positive cancer which is a very common form of breast cancer which meant that my cancer cells were gobbling up estrogen so I have to take pills that stop the estrogen production so of course that crashes you head first into the menopause which you know you can't have any HRT you can't do anything you can't you know you have to just grin and bear the kind of like aching joints and the hot flushes and all the rest of it and I found the C going in cold water and swimming regularly in cold water to be by far and away the best therapy and the best thing for it and um and having kind of done a lot of research about the menopause and about about see well somebody I mentioned this in the book but somebody said something really profound that kind of really stuck with me I mean it was something that somebody said to me on the beach and I put it in in the in the book and she said that when you're a girl you're kind of tied to the moon cycles and you're kind of very up in the air and it's all very monthly and it's all kind of up there and it's kind of your moony and you're kind of up there and your hormones are very kind of in in a monthly cycle but when you reach the menopause and you reach this age of life you kind of come back down to land on mother earth and you become very much more in tune with the seasons and your and your cycle becomes very seasonal seasonal and I I found that to be very true for me that actually I feel very much more in tune with the seasons very much more in tune with myself and how I am at different seasons of the year and and I find that's really reflected in kind of how how much enjoyment I take from the sea as well at all at all times and it becomes a constant for me but it feels very grounding going in the sea and I think it's incredibly good for the menopause I think there's something about being off land and in water in a different element that kind of makes you look at the sky in a different way I don't think you look in this at the sky in the same way when you're on land as you do when you're in water yeah. I think it's a very different thing and you kind of notice different things and you notice the birds and you know I noticed I mean, in, in the book I, I wrote a lot about the kind of wildlife and about the sea that you know what you see at the seaside and the seagulls and the different types of birds and it was actually really interesting researching all of that because you notice you notice nature you know and I've done some river swims and I've done some swims sort of locally and kind of in the summer but you really notice the the nature when you do kind of like river swims and you see the difference in the trees and it's, it's beautiful yeah you get that kind of I used to call it the duck's eye view where you're just sort of like yeah and also but you're right it's that sort of glimpse into another world and actually swimming out you know when it's when you when you get to the beach in Brighton and you get to the sandy bit and you can swim out and then if you swim on a summer's day with goggles on you can see the crabs scuttling and you can see you know you're just looking at this different world it's, and it's fascinating I absolutely love it it informed my work because I just I I wrote this novel Life Saving for the Beginners because I'm a writer you know it's actually my 20th novel and I write all sorts of things and 
but actually, you know, writing about the sea and about community is about this group of women and how the sea helps all of them. So tell me about life saving for beginners. Well, life saving for beginners is about Maddie, who is married to the awful Trent. And it starts on Christmas Day 2020 when she gets a call from her estranged son, Jamie, um, and she doesn't know where he's gone. He's he's disappeared off in the first lockdown. She's she's bereft because they've had this huge row and Trent has basically chucked him out. And so on Christmas Day, she is an Instagrammer and she's got this perfect life. And what she does is she's Instagramming everything and she's made this grotto in the garden. She's made this beautiful table laid up for everybody for Christmas lunch. But actually the truth is she's having a microwave meal with Trent in the kitchen. And she gets this call and she's missed it and she manages to pick up Trent's phone and she looks at it and she realizes that he's got loads of texts from her friend Helen and so she realizes at the same time that she has lost her son that her husband has been having an affair with one of her best friends so she literally throws her toys out of the cot and she leaves to go to Brighton to see if she can find Jamie because she kind of realizes that he's in Brighton and so thus starts the story and she comes to Brighton of course there's no hotels open so she has to rent this tiny little Airbnb and she's completely a fish out of water and she no idea what she's going to do and she starts to look for Jamie so I wanted to write about homelessness because that was something that was very very clear down here in in lockdown that um, there were lots of people that were homeless and, and I wanted to really delve deep into that. Anyway, she goes to the beach and she starts to meet this group of women. And so we've got Dominica, who is uh, bereaved and she's she's lost her partner to COVID. And so she's really trying to get her mojo back. We've got Helga, who is this wonderful character who's in her 70s and she used to be a sailor. And so she's really got this affinity with the sea. But as she's getting older, she's getting a bit more scared. Then there's... Um, tour who's running a charity and then she's kind of got she's struggling with a kind of um disease that she's got and so she's with and so she needs to the cold water to kind of really help her and then there's uh claire who is going through her menopause and she's got young children which has got teenage coming up for teenage children and she's kind of really not being seen by her husband and these women come to the beach and and sure enough soon maddie joins them and together as a friendship group, they kind of this, they tackle the sea and they tackle their problems together. And it's a story of their friendship and it's a story of them trying to find Jamie. Um, and it's about homelessness. It's about community. It's about friendship. And it's about all of these different women with their different issues and how the sea, sea helps them solve it. I was interested by the the homelessness plot as well. How did you go about researching that? Well, I talked to a lot about to, to Knight, who are a charity who provide kind of meals and and um and lots of um support and uh, shelter and stuff for people down at the, at the seafront I've talked to I talked to quite a lot of charities and I talked to a friend of mine who's actually one of my swimmers who worked at the Samaritans so it was kind of it was a, a whole blending of kind of thing I always kind of find when I'm when I'm writing a book kind of cherry pick from from the people and the life experiences that I'm going through and you kind of realize that kind of your plot can be really helped by by the things that you know so I did quite a lot of um research and one of or another one of my swimmers runs a kind of she runs the kind of homelessness and the kind of support um thing for the council so she gave me a lot of intel about homelessness and of course there's a quite there's quite a big difference between homelessness and ruthlessness um people quite a lot of people who are ruthless choose to be you know there are there are spaces and certainly in lockdown there was spaces because you know the council made um places available for everybody to have 
somewhere to be off the streets. But the problem is the kind of drug situation that, that happens. And, you know, I have an enormous amount of empathy for people because I don't think if I was on the on the streets or had a, a homeless situation, I think I'd I think I'd probably find it quite difficult to do that sober. I think that's I think that's really hard. And I think people get so trapped in these horrible situations with these horrible drugs. And it's it's a really, really big endemic problem. And I we see a lot of people come to Brighton because it's warm and you know it's a liberal town. And so a lot of people who plop out of the bottom come here um because it's probably be a better place than a lot of places to be in a situation where you haven't got very much however it's really terrible to see and and the problem is multifaceted and it's one of those things that you can't really solve and um I did manage to kind of write a really good storyline for Jamie but when, what I wanted to show was that he came from a really loving background and with a really loving family and even he kind of got completely trapped by the system and you're we're all all of us are only a couple of very bad decisions away from being homeless you know it's not and not even bad decisions unfortunate decisions stuff happens to people and you kind of and I'm talking to a lot of the people that I did research where you kind of realize you know people through no real fault, fault of their own find themselves in really quite shocking circumstances and of course where we're up to at the moment with kind of like the austerity kicking in you know, you, you see people with who really, really want to try hard and really want to do the best for themselves. And they just it's just impossible. So that's hard. It's hard, you know, to to see that. But I really wanted to, to shine a spotlight on that. And I kind of think what I what I wanted to do was to write a book with some really kind of heavy issues in it, but with a lightness of touch, hopefully, so that you could read them. You know, it's it's, it's important to me to be able to write gritty stuff as well as kind of melding that with kind of like the lighter elements life is very difficult for not even for some people right now for most people for right most now people, for most people it's really difficult and most people are kind of having to make choices that, that they didn't necessarily want to make and you know people have to put up with circumstances that are fairly terrible even on this to i mean this can like really extend to the swimming because we were talking about one of our swimming group yesterday she's saying you know she's really keeping an eye on her heating bills and she lives alone and it's really difficult and she hasn't got much money and she was saying you know i had to really kind of toss up you know could i afford to boil the kettle to make the hot water bottle for the beach for mm -hmm. my swim and i was like wow i mean the thing is with the swimming is that it's free so that's good you know yes. it's not expensive gym membership but you know that whole thing this heating situation and kind of bills it's really it's really terrible so yes. I, and I'm very aware of it and I'm very aware that you know people plop out of the other side of kind of care systems and and this and the broken systems that we've got in this country and it's really heartbreaking to see the main thing is to just continue to have compassion for people and kind of like to know that people people's choices are difficult if you are feeling a little of the spirit of Christmas and are able to offer some support to the homeless community this Christmas, I have put links to the charities Josie mentioned in the show notes. Just as an aside, I used to work for Shelter a long time ago and donations of time and energy are just as valuable as cash. So if you have any of those, please do get in touch with the charity of your choice to chat about volunteering opportunities. Now, Let's get back to the book. It is a delightful read. So, yeah, particularly love Helga. 
Oh, she was great, wasn't she? She was so much fun to write. I, a friend of mine, Sandy, runs, um, she used to swim every day with her Labrador, who um, Nala, who was just this incredible dog, who was a hospital dog, and was actually the dog that's inspired Julia Donaldson to write the kids' book, The Hospital Dog. Mm-hmm. And it's it's dedicated to Nala. But Nala used to go in the sea with Sandy every day, and she's kind of, you know, no matter what, rain or shine she'd be she'd be in and so she sort of inspired Helga a bit so yeah it was good fun it was really good fun writing her and she kind of took on a life of her own it was really nice giving her a love story because you know you don't expect a love story for that kind of age group and this yearning for the past and this kind of feeling that she's never going to be able to sail over the horizon again and then that happens for her and it's just it was really wonderful to write thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it yeah I loved some of your descriptions in the book like your swimming descriptions are absolutely lovely oh yeah no it was just a joy to write and and really fun and also it's nice that a book like that sort of connects with with women who are who are very much of the same sort of mindset and you know what I really love about kind of like the swimming thing as well is that we're so society is so judgy and actually, what's really lovely is when you get in a swimming costume and you'll kind of look ridiculous in gloves and hats and bobbles and this and that. You know, nobody gives a monkey what you look like on the beach at all. Or also, it's, and it's a great leveler. I mean, you can, you know, I know people who I swim with who are do all sorts of absolutely fascinating things. But you'd never know on the beach because, you know, you just you're there together and you're kind of there to kind of support each other. And you, so you have these very sort of frank conversations with people. And then <laughs> it's been a couple of times when we've gone out and I'm like, oh my goodness me, I didn't even know that you looked like that because I've never seen anybody with makeup on, with clothes on, you know, I've only ever seen them in kind of like massive robes and stuff. And that's, and actually, that's really lovely. It's really kind of refreshing to have that kind of level playing field when you go swimming with people. I think that's really lovely. Absolutely. And the book is really about, I mean, it's about different kind of qualities of female friendship as well. And that's something that I thoroughly enjoyed about reading it is that that kind of sense of community, but with kind of reaching out to people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I love writing about female friendships. And actually, you know, as you get older, your female friendships become more and more and more treasured, you know, because you have these people in your life that support you and see you and know you and have seen you through thick and thin. And it's a really magical, wonderful thing. You know, that it, It's different to family because you kind of choose your friends. But actually... It's really wonderful having female friendship, but actually this is sort of part of what's so lovely about the swimming community is that, you know, if you if you meet somebody and you're going swimming together, you have an instant bond with them and you kind of, you sort of form a friendship. It is a type of friendship and, it, and it's a friendship, you know, and you land up telling people in the sea stuff that you wouldn't necessarily tell other people that you just, you know, you can offload. There's something yeah. very freeing about kind of being around water so it's very easy to make friendships and actually you know as I said you know my friend Katie she came and actually for her it normally if it hadn't been COVID you know it would have even without COVID it would have been quite difficult for her to kind of find a new community of people and she kind of instantly found this group of friends and that's just wonderful you know so I think anybody who is going to a new place or a new town or a new city or an anywhere you know if you if you seek out the swimmers you will find friends yeah absolutely I've always thought that the water kind of washes away the filter so all of those things that you might keep to yourself um when you're out at a cafe or whatever and they they, that doesn't exist on the beach whatever you're thinking falls out when you're that cold 
yeah <laughs> exactly and also you know you all your inhibitions go you know and you kind of nobody minds if like there's a there's a very pink buttock showing or a or you've got your or you kind of put something on back to front you know you can it's funny you know that whole thing of coming out of the sea when you've got when when you actually come out you're not really terribly cold because you you're still you're you're heating from the it's only when you afterwards when you've got when you've got all dresses when you get really cold and that's quite fun that kind of camaraderie and sort of sitting around and having drinks and you know but I always find it's such a it's such a joyous thing well you know when I went in yesterday and there was a whole load of there was a whole load of us from you know age spanning from mid-20s to mid-70s and it was actually just really wonderful just this group of women and we all had this lovely thing in common and it was wonderful. Uh, have you got a, a, a funky name for your swimming group yourself? We have the splashes and bobbers. We have uh, we have this we have the swimming supper club. We have, I mean, we have the seagulls down here, uh, the seabirds down here. I called my group of swimmers in the book the salty seagulls, and I actually wanted to call the book the salty seagulls, but it never it wouldn't wouldn't fly with the publishers. But I love all those swimming names that people have. I did a big thing for the blue tits, and um, and it was great because we were it was World Blue Tit Day, and we were watching. We were kind of linked into all these groups of swimmers all over the world, including New Zealand, which was absolutely wonderful to see. You know, it was really lovely that these, you know, groups of community had kind of come together. And a lot of women have been incredibly helped sort of certainly with their mental health through swimming. Um, so I think that, you know, I think it's really wonderful, all these funny names. But, yeah, there's quite a few. There's quite a few names, but mainly I'm in the splasher and bobbers. And it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that it's all taken off, certainly with women. Um, I mean, I've got a lot of male friends that swim as well, but I kind of this it's gone from, you know, this the seabirds down here. Um, mm-hmm. they had used to have kind of like a thousand members in their in their Facebook group. And they've got they've got over six thousand members, you know, just through lockdown, people just completely took to the to the water. And I and I think that's a really lovely thing that happened in lockdown, because although we lost so much, what we did gain was kind of like a new appreciation of nature and a sense of community, actually, which yeah. I, is hopefully going to last a bit longer. But it's um I think it it was actually really good for us all. I think so. I think we've definitely come this side of it with maybe a better appreciation of, of what's around us. We're we're struggling here with the water quality in Brighton. It's terrible. And I, I've joined a group called the South Coast Sirens. I've never really been politically active before until I started swimming in the sea all year round. And I was like, oh, my goodness me, this is horrific what is going on. So we've been campaigning because Southern Water, who are just terrible and have kind of all of the all of the investors are offshore. They're overseas with servicing debt. I mean, the, the corruption behind it is really terrible, but they do what they euphemistically call a spill, mm-hmm. which is where they put all the untreated sewage straight into the sea and of course we've had a lot of heavy rainfall so of course you can do that legally when there's heavy rainfall rather than it coming up bubbling up into people's houses obviously we want that however um they do it when they're not supposed to as well and the water quality is shocking so yeah yeah i don't envy that one at all what the the companies are doing down there is awful it's really awful anyway i mean we still get in we're quite careful and of course you don't ingest anything but you know there's yeah. been cases of people you know along the coast a bit being really poorly from parasites that can only be caused by human feces which is oh, just, just... you know we still on the bright and sunny day we jump in and it's um it's really wonderful fantastic but uh, you know it's lovely being able to go and ha- just have a dip 
you know, and it's also as it gets to this time of year as well, you can't go for very long because, you know, I'm swimming in a swimming, I'm not in a wetsuit, I'm swimming in a swimming costume with yeah. boots and gloves. And actually I can't, you, you can't do more than kind of like a 10, 15 minute because it just, you just get too cold. So yeah, it's a, it's a bob and a splash. <laughs> exactly. It's not, it's not for exercise at this time of year. It's for, it's for the other side. For well-being. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very yeah. much. Now that now that it's finally stopped raining, I've started putting a walk into it as well. So that's that's quite nice because there's some beautiful walking around where I go swimming. So I'm like, I will uh, I can park the car a little bit farther away and I can maybe walk up to my swim and then I can get some exercise. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> probably a good idea. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I quite in the summer I quite go for often go for a run and then just walk into the sea in my swimming kit because you know, it's very hot. But that doesn't happen now. So you have to get a lot of clobber. Oh, so thing. much kit. That's the one thing so I don't like about this time of year is the amount of kit. I've just put my hot water ba- bottle back into my swimming kit as well. So now it's really weighing me down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say that, I'm still wearing it right now. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. it's cosy. No, I like I like the hot water bottle thing. That's really good. You know, I've got a little one, which I take, which is just put your hand around your hands because that's the whole thing. It's, my hands get very cold and my feet, you yeah. know. So do you find that once you've had your swim and you've kind of uh, reached that moment of clarity, do you find that getting to your desk and actually writing is considerably easier or can you uh, still find a million ways yes. to procrastinate? Because that's where I am. Yes, no, I do. I, I also feel that I have a kind of massive sense that going in the sea is a huge achievement. So I have the sense that if I go for a swim, then all of my to-do list is sort of ticked off because... I've I've done a massive tick of achievement and everything else is a, is a bonus mm-hmm. and it's kind of slightly different from running or doing weights or yoga or anything like that I feel that if I've been in the seat it's eventful enough that actually I've achieved for the day so so yes I don't I do find it easy and I do find it easier to write when I've been properly woken up I have to say by the yeah. seat. that is what I do but I also kind of I'm also aware because I've been writing for a very long time I'm kind of really aware that your subconscious is your best friend and actually usually it's working the whole thing out for you and actually the sitting down bums on seats actually sitting down doing a word count is absolutely crucial in order to be able to write a novel because you just can't get one written last minute but that said I do sit at my desk and I flap around and I and I kind of procrastinate and then just before I have to go and do something usually it used to be just before I used to go and pick up the kids from school a tiny snippet of information would come to me like a tiny little detail from a scene or some dialogue and then suddenly I'd be like and like do a thousand words in like breakneck speed and I turn up at the school gates and I'm like don't speak to me I'm in the middle of a murder and (laughs) and then I'd be kind of like come back and do it but so I'm kind of always kind of writing on the hoof so yes, and it's always it's um, you know, I always thought that I would, I always felt like a bit of a fraud because I kind of because I write on the hoof. It's kind of writing is one of those things that seems a, like a very bright light to me, and I can't really look into it too directly. So it's kind of something I do kind of on the sly, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. And when when lockdown came, I kind of thought right, I've always felt this kind of imposter syndrome as many of us have. Um, thinking well I'm not really a proper writer and actually if I was a proper writer to proper study with like color coordinated books and I'd sit there for eight hours a day and I'd be really really 
vigilant and I'd write and I'd write and I'd write and um and actually when I got to lockdown and there was more time and I could actually sort of see myself I could, couldn't write I couldn't write I was just like well I need people and I need distraction and I need conversations and I need to I get a lot of energy from people and that and I and just sitting in a study not seeing anyone was just a death knell to me I couldn't do it it was awful it was, I found it really really difficult to write so yeah. that's interesting. So I've kind of learned to accept my process and myself a bit more, you know? Yeah, well, if it's how it works, then yeah. then yeah. it works. And it's clearly working because you have got some uh, lovely books on the shelves. Basically, that is my uh, my pro tip for Christmas gift giving for your swim buddies uh, would be to, to pick up a copy of Life Saving for Beginners because it's a lovely, lovely read. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I hope people, I mean, I really hope people like it because it, it I mean, I wrote it about us and about, you know, the swimming community and about women like us so you know I hope it was it will strike a chord with people and it's you know it was just a joy to write and a joy to write about friendship and um and about the kind of the experience of, of swimming and what it what it does for people thank you so much Josie thank you so much thanks so much Josie you can follow Josie on Instagram and you can of course pop life-saving for beginners into your swim buddy's Christmas stocking order a copy for yourself for the daft days on the sofa between Christmas and New Year or indeed request a copy from your local library. You will not regret it. It's a genuinely lovely read. Do tag at Wild Women Pod on Facebook and Instagram with your copy should it appear under your Christmas tree. If you have been blessed with the gift of time, then can I borrow you for two seconds and ask for a review for the podcast? Five stars can be your Christmas present to me this year. Thank you so much. It's just what I always wanted. Your gift to your swimming buddies should be to share this episode of Wild Women with them. You can display your excellent taste in podchat and spread the swimming love. You can buy me a coffee and contribute to my goal of covering the production costs of Wild Women at coffee, that's K-O-F-I slash Wild Women. A wee donation really does make a massive difference in helping to keep this pod show going. Thank you, as always, to Mary St. Mary of the Housecoat Project for allowing me to use the theme music. You can find the links to their work and everything else that we have talked about today, of course, in the show notes. Until next time, it's bloody freezing. Fantastic. Fantastic.